We continue to play the waiting game as we try to figure out what exactly the Sharon Moore administration will look like. I again implore you to be patient because it's going to take a little while for all this to kind of get going. And I'm going to give you some reasons to continue to be optimistic about the post Jim Harbaugh aftermath. We're going to talk about all of that and more on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Thursday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And things are continuing to be slow and sure in the Sharon Moore era uh, due to just honestly him just hitting the road recruiting hitting the ground running doing all of that so it does seem like it's going to take a little while before we really get to know exactly what we are working with in terms of what he is going to piece together as far as a staff now he had uh swung for the fences trying to lure uh marcus freeman's right hand man chad bowden away he's the director of recruiting over at uh, notre dame and they tried to to bring him in, make him like a general manager, director of player, uh, of player personnel type of thing in Ann Arbor. And then he informed uh, Notre Dame today that he is staying in South Bend. So that is a bummer. Uh, but he is continuing to uh, to look at outside options now that Tom Gamble has followed uh, Jim Harbaugh. But I think that, that that should tell you something good about what Sharon Moore is trying to do at the moment, right? Because he is thinking... Uh, a little bit more outside the box, looking at the a youthful, uh, more kind of ear to the ground in today's college football. I understand Michigan just won the national championship, but Sharon trying to uh, essentially modernize and be smart in terms of that. So I think that that is an absolutely the right ideals to have. Uh, but he went on Pat McAfee, which is a, yet another indication that he is with it. He is like the kids. He is with it. That is the type of thing that is going to resonate, honestly, with younger players to see like, hey, Michigan's head coach is on Pat McAfee and he's not sounding crazy. He's not out there talking about uh, worms with machine guns. He's actually making a lot of sense. And I think that that is uh, that's kind of the mentality that he has. But he went on and he said he hopes to have the staff wrapped up uh, sometime in the next week or so. And uh, that would be the that'll be the plan. But obviously. Uh, Michigan is moving on from the ones that we know of for sure. Jay Harbaugh going with Jim Harbaugh as well as Jesse Minter and Ben Herbert. Uh, I still, I, I know everyone was kind of freaking out over the Ben Herbert thing. I still like the, uh, the elevation of Justin Tress because what it does is even though everyone loved Ben Herbert, you, you get the next best thing in the guy that trained him. You know what I mean? And if, if you're Michigan and you are accustomed to a next man up mentality, as it should be, right? Like, this is what it used to be at Michigan. Oh, someone else is stepping away. Well, the next man up. And it used to be on the field, used to be with the coaches. Uh, we talked earlier about the idea that Michigan has never had, at least in the modern era of college football, I'm, not, I'm counting the 1900s forward, uh, not had anyone leave from, a co- you know, from the coaching, uh, head coaching position and go to another job. It's always been, I'm retiring in Ann Arbor and my protege takes over. From Fielding H. Yost, uh, Fritz Chrysler, Benny Oosterbahn, so on and so forth, that has been the case. And then it even continues then with 
Bo Schembechler, uh, Gary Moeller, uh, Lloyd Carr, right? When it's when Michigan hasn't done that, that it's found itself in more issue, having more issues than not. And I understand uh, Bo Schembechler was an outside guy. Jim Harbaugh, in a way, an outside guy, but also an inside guy for the sake that he grew up in the program, was the head coach, not, not only the head coach, but the uh, quarterback and you know, all of that stuff. But I think it is, it reminds me, and I've shared this story before, but it's kind of like watching Chris Perry at running back and being like, there's no way that the next running back is going to be as good as this guy. This guy's incredible. And then before you know it, Mike Hart's on campus and he's even better. That is kind of the mentality that they seem to have. Now, the question is, are they going to be able to retain the people on the staff uh, that they hope to? Now, we haven't heard anything about Mike Hart, uh, the aforementioned Mike Hart. We haven't seen or heard anything about him. Who knows? He wasn't at the, uh, he, he wasn't at the national championship celebration at Chrysler. He just kind of hasn't been around. So I don't know if there's something going on in his life. I wouldn't read into it until you get a definitive answer one way or the other. Uh, but, uh, we're still trying to wait and find out about Mike Elston, Steve Klinkscale, Ron Bellamy. These guys are all been out recruiting. So that's a pretty good sign. Grant Newsom, uh, is, uh, is supposed to be taking over the offensive line, which is a great move because he has been groomed for that. Jim, I went back to an old Jim Harbaugh interview talking about Grant Newsom and he flat out said like, what we are doing right now is working him in as tight ends coach, which he was the last two years. And then we are grooming him to be the next offensive line coach. Well, guess what? That's exactly what he has been groomed to be, just like Sharon Moore has been groomed to be the next head coach of the University of Michigan. Now, I understand that, uh, you know, like I wrote an article about uh, to, uh, giving Sharon a chance, and there, were, there was a lot of pushback on Twitter. Maybe it was just partially the lead that I had. Uh, but there's a reason why I wrote that article, and it isn't because I was uh, coming up with a straw man in my head. I've seen... A lot of people who, after Ben Herbert uh, left, just being like, okay, well, Ward made the other, the other big mistake. He let this guy take over when he should have gone outside and, and all of this stuff. Like, the, I wasn't just screaming into the ether of an opinion that no one else had, right? It might have been, you know, a few people, but sometimes like, I, that's who I'm trying to reach. And um, I, I know that a lot of people are kind of just patiently waiting but I don't feel like there's the level of optimism that there should be given. Uh, and I understand they gave reasons, but like Ryan Day, Marcus Freeman, kind of people in the same boat. Uh, Ryan Day at least inherited pretty much the entire Ohio State staff. Marcus Freeman, not so much. But it's, it didn't take long for four Notre Dame fans were enthusiastic about Marcus Freeman because suddenly recruiting took a uh, uptick. And I would expect the same with Sharon. And it, that's kind of what happens when you have a 37-year-old head coach-ish, right? I don't, 37, 38, whatever he is. Uh, younger than me, which is kind of weird to think the Michigan head coach is younger than me. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that that's the type of thing that you need uh, in order to kind of, if in an age of NIL, which yes, things need to step up there, you need to have someone who can relate in that light. And I think that Sharon is going to be poised to be able to win some recruiting battles that maybe Jim Harbaugh didn't because now you have the head coach that's going to be putting on the full court press. And I think that that is uh, a great sign for the future of Michigan football. All right. We are going to continue on um, someone along these lines to some degree. I do want to talk about Roman Wilson. I do have some more kind of ward stuff and then we're just going to shelve that for a while. Um, we'll get to the ward stuff. I think first, just cause that's still on my mind, just kind of the things I'm seeing. Uh, so we're going to continue on here in just a moment. But before we do, happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets 
Uh, I mean, whether you're looking at the, the 49ers or the Chiefs, I don't know who to pick in that. So I'm, I'm not an NFL professional. I just root, root, root for the Detroit Lions. Uh, but nonetheless, there are a lot of different things that you can take, whether it's getting those touchdowns, whether it's first scored or anytime touchdowns, I'd be looking at Isaiah Pacheco and Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, although Kittle burned me last week. Uh, cause I picked him for an anytime touchdown. Didn't get it. Nonetheless, those are the types of players, Travis Kelsey, that I would look to do a parlay with. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. It's that simple. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook of the NFL. Little programming note, and I'm going to remind you of this every every day that we have uh, a show this week. I will be out of town next week. We will still have shows, but we're going Listapalooza next week, which we do every now and again, is we have a something palooza, um, because I am writing a bunch of lists that are going to run throughout the week, 16 of them. So we're going to go through, uh, even the days that I am here, we're going to go through the uh, a bunch of these different top groups, right? Bold predictions, top 10 uh, in different units, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go through, I think, probably all of them that I'm writing uh, to, to give you a little bit more clarity as to my mindset. You can agree, you can disagree, I don't care. But uh, that's what we're going to do next week, all week. That's the plan. Uh, but yeah, we will have a we will have a show all five days next week. And uh, because I'm sitting down between Monday and Tuesday and recording Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. So that is how that's going to go. All right. So uh, I still I, I want to do a still another little word manual pushback here. And it's a little bit different than what I did the other day. Uh, again, I'm not a full throated defender of award. There are things that I I think that he's handled poorly is slow, absolutely slow footed on uh, whether it's the Mel Pearson thing. Uh, NIL obviously is a big thing, but I feel like it's uh, like I said the other day, it, people are blaming Ward for taking for not having sunny and 80 while taking a winter vacation in Alaska. Right. That's kind of where we're at. I just implore a lot of you because it just seems like a lot of you are getting getting very caught up in some thought exercises that are futile. Right. And I know there are some some people in the in the media who are kind of egging this on a little bit, but they're starting to kind of be like, oh, OK, so who's going to replace Ward and thinking of it as an imminent thing? That's not happening. OK, that's just it's just not happening, at least not in the current mode of things. Right. Uh, there's certainly a large group of you who still believe that Jim Harbaugh would be in Ann Arbor still. And there's other people who are egging that on if it wasn't for Ward Manuel, but yet he's told you constantly, he said it today at the, uh, the Chargers uh, introductory press conference. He said it on CBS last week. He's, he's telling everyone who will listen, like, I wanted to chase a Super Bowl. He said today, like, the, the sands and the hourglass were getting down there in terms of his age, and he wanted to chase a Super Bowl. And that's just the case, right? Now, the Chargers also paid him out the nose, as reported by Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, $16 million a year. I understand the state of California, that doesn't stretch as much as $12.5 million a year. 
uh, which he was uh, reportedly offered here. But nonetheless, that's he got everything he wanted in order to pursue a Super Bowl, and therefore he's doing it. And then you have uh, Regent Jordan Acker, who wrote an MGO blog uh, that that's what he believed was what he wanted to do was pursue a Super Bowl. So let certain narratives die in your head. I understand it's really hard to change a worldview, and that's kind of where we've what we have reached at this point is it's become a worldview. For a lot of you that Ward Manuel is the devil and he could have kept Jim Harbaugh here if he wanted to, but he just didn't want to. That is not what I have heard from sources that were kind of close to it, um, whether it was in when I was talking to a handful of people in October, more so about the Connor Stallion stuff, but was talking to them as well a little bit about what are the chances you keep Jim Harbaugh. As far as everyone that I talked to that was behind the scenes, people that have been I had been told are not in the biggest, uh, weren't the biggest Ward Manual fans were saying how absolutely masterful he was with that. Um, and uh, they're also saying like, listen, there was nothing we were going to be able to do to keep him. So it, I, I just caution you to not go down that road as terms of worldview because it's just not accurate. Okay. Like Ward is not going anywhere, at least for the for current foreseeable. Could a year from now, could that change? I mean, it could. I don't think so. But you're getting to this point of fancy where you're just going to end up disappointed because you want change. Things are not nearly as dire as they were in 2014, okay? And it, yes, there was a personal media campaign uh, by just general people that helped oust David Brandon. But this is there is not a scandal associated in the same way that there was with everything that was going on there. And I, I, again, I just don't think that a lot of the things that a lot of people think that they hate about Ward are accurate. Um, he has been, very, at least in recency, he has been very forceful uh, when it comes to NIL. I have been at NIL events, multiple of them, including the one on the national championship game. I was there as a, fo a photo video guy for a champion circle. He said all the right things. He was meeting with people one-on-one. -on -one. He was doing everything he could to try to, uh, to, to try to amplify this and get the 10 plus million that Michigan is trying to get. Right. So yes, it was a little late, but it, it's a, it's uncharted waters, right? It's unexplored land when NIL came about and his view is similar to Jim Harbaugh's view on it uh, in that, they were looking at it as like, oh, we can't go and do this pay-to-play stuff because what happens when the, when the NCAA changes its mind and now everyone's in trouble? I mean, heck, you look at what Tennessee's going through, and basically they're looking at things of like, hey, yeah, we changed things, but you started doing things the, that we changed to before we changed to it, so therefore we're going to come at you. So I think it's, it's a self-preservation as far as the university is concerned, the institution. And I think that that is like, I, I don't have qualms with that, but yes, Michigan is behind the eight ball. Now it needs to find a way. And I, I get, just much like with the Sheryl Moore stuff, let things play out, right? Just because you're not getting everything you want right now, doesn't mean things aren't working. And the thing with the, the Jim Harbaugh stuff is it's just, it's a hindsight is 2020. You didn't get what you wanted things. The world spins, it moves, right? So things have changed. And you've just got to have to deal with that, right? And But if you're sitting there doing thought exercises, thinking about like, okay, 
who's the next guy going to be, you're, you need to be looking down the line a few years, okay? Because the likelihood is Santa Ono is probably not going to do anything. Um, yes, there was the issue was about this time last year when uh, they were trying to get Jim figured out, and it seemed like Santa Ono had to step in, but at the moment it doesn't really seem like there's anything with that. And the same thing with the Tennessee stuff. There, I see a lot of people that are saying, like, look at how Tennessee stepping back up. Ward should do that. Listen, it's their chancellor who's doing it, which is akin to Santa Ono. Blame, if you want to blame someone for not stepping up to the NCAA, it's Santa Ono, right? Ward wrote the a very, very effective uh, in terms of saying what they, what you know, espousing for the university to the NCAA and the Big Ten. Um, and, uh, he had Jim Harbaugh's back and university's back. He can't do everything. He's not this boogeyman you think he is. All right, let's talk about, uh, we're just got a couple more minutes. We're keeping it nice and short today uh, as we ease back into this and then we'll be back tomorrow. But, um, let's talk about Roman Wilson and what he's been able to do in the senior bowl. Excited to, to see more, uh, from him and, uh, makes you kind of wonder about the wide receiver position at Michigan. And could that there be a little bit of a change there? We'll talk about that here in just a moment but before we do i know we all come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of life but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life according to the fda pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in a decade that's super scary uh for me a little bit less because i'm allergic to amoxicillin i learned Uh, i can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if sarah and the boys got sick while the supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication they needed thankfully Everyone's going to be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case, which I bought for them, is a five different antibiotic pack to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. The stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispersed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today, so go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off of your order. All right, so Roman Wilson has been out there killing it in Shrine Bowl practices, absolutely annihilating it. Uh, One-handed grab really just went viral uh, yesterday. I was slow-footed on writing it. I wrote it up today for some reason. But nonetheless, uh, you got Lance Zierlein from NFL.com giving him a second-round grade. That would make him the highest-drafted uh, wide excuse me, wide receiver in the Jim Harbaugh era. Nico Collins went in the third round. Um, no one else anywhere close to that. So, um, But then to see just all of these clips of him just getting wide open against these uh, top uh, cornerbacks. It makes me kind of have a little bit of thought exercise of my own, which is should Michigan have utilized him a little bit more and was he hampered a little bit by the scheme? Now, Michigan, of course, wanted to run the ball more than anything, but it is kind of shocking seeing him using his speed to just absolutely blow by guys and, and different things. Maybe these are things that he kind of learned in the latter third of this season right now. Obviously, he had a lot of injury issues over the course of his Michigan career, which you kind of forget about, but like 2021, week five, gone, 2022, week five, gone. Uh, and then this year he was there all year, but then kind of fell off after week five. <laughs> Nonetheless, as far as like, it wasn't the touchdown scoring machine. He was a touchdown scoring machine for the first five weeks. And then uh, not so much after that. I mean, I got to look out of my own curiosity here. Uh, what was he in terms of that? Cause that was just kind of like glaring that he just, 
uh, was not nearly as uh, as productive. I don't know why this. Some ever get where your internet's just like I'm not connecting to this site that works absolutely fine. I've had that a lot lately, um, and that's happening right now. Let's see. Maybe the site's just down. Nope. There it goes. You type it in. It's just like nope, and then it and then it works. Um, all right. So. I mean, he had 789 yards, which is like, it's not even what, in 14 games, Ronnie Bell had 889 last year. Uh, you look back, uh, Jehu Chesson in 2015 had 764 in 13. Amaro Darbo had 862 in 13 in um, 2016. So certainly not the most prolific, but he had 12 touchdowns, uh, which I believe probably is the most of any of these Michigan receivers that we've seen in a long time. Don Peoples-Jones had eight in uh, 2017. Um, other than that, yeah, we're, we're pretty far away from that. I mean, even you have to go back to even Jeremy Gallon, who has this, the most yards of, in any single season for a receiver, which is nuts, 89 for 1373. Um, he, uh, he only had nine touchdowns. So uh, as far as touchdowns are concerned, I mean, Roman was still far, far ahead of the game. But uh, when you look at the, the game log here, uh, three, two, one, zero, two, then zero, one, one, three straight with zero, uh, one against, uh, Ohio today, zero, one, zero. It's just kind of crazy that like he was just so top heavy and granted part of that is certainly that teams are trying to take him away. Right. Teams start saying like, okay, that's a guy that we can't let beat us now, even against Purdue. We had nine. This was his best game ever. I believe nine catches for 143 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, I do believe that is his high, his career high, and it is. So um, I, I feel like that's the type of thing that he could have done on a week-by-week basis. But not, you know, nonetheless, you're seeing it start to kind of really kind of come together here in the Senior Bowl, and uh, it kind of feels like he's going to shot now. Obviously, we've seen Senior Bowls happen where all week it's like, man, this guy's just killing it, and then you get to the game and they just kind of disappear. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen. But it kind of feels like he has that capability to be that type of receiver. Well, will he end up being a productive NFL receiver? We'll see. But that does stand a reason where it's like, okay, Michigan, if you get this type of talent, and obviously Sharon Moore is going to be a different man than Jim Harbaugh, you hope that they find ways to use that talent to its maximum potential, right? That is not something that I think we see from the, uh, from the offensive side. And actually, one of the lists we're going to go over, I did, uh, it, this is just a simple, like, here's what the top 10 offensive recruits have been in the last, like, you know, 25 years-ish. And it's alarming because, A, Michigan's only had eight five-stars on offense, period, since that, in that time frame. But also, more than half of them didn't really pan out, which is just kind of wild, right? Like, you, when they do get five-stars, I mean, granted, Derek Green was a five-star Kelly Baraka never really got to do anything. Um, the uh, it, it's just the lot. Donovan Peoples Jones was more like a four star than a five star. And then you get they got better production from Ronnie Bell and Nico Collins and you know Roman Wilson and some of these guys. But it's just they need to find a way to maximize the talent on offense compared to defense. Because when you look at the offensive one here, um, I can uh, I, I can tell you a little bit about. It. We'll go over it more. But like you know Ryan Mallett was the top rec- offensive recruit they ever got. May he rest in peace. Um, but then you've got other names, Kelly Baraka, Kevin Grady, Derek Green, Marcus Slocum, Carlos Brown. Like these guys didn't really pan out that way, that well. Tim Massaquah was okay. wasn't like, but he's the top, he's the 10th best rated offensive player that Michigan has ever had. 
which is wild. Whereas defense, I look at this list and every single one had at least some production with only one of them kind of not getting a ton and another one maybe not living up to the five-star. And just to go over it, Rashawn Gary, Jabril Peppers, Lamar Woodley, Prescott Burgess, Brandon Graham, Dax Hill, Will Johnson, Ernie Shazer, Aubrey Solomon, and Chris Hinton. Every single one of those was a five-star. So you hope that Michigan can find a way to flip that, that script a little bit, especially because offensively, when I was growing up, Michigan's offense was, I mean, the defense was incredible, but the offense always had players, right? You know, you always knew that the number one receiver was going to be a baller. You know, David Terrell, you know, types, you know, uh, Desmond Howard. But, uh, and then you knew the running back was going to be incredible, but you just, you felt like it was a potent offense. And it just, in that day and age, it was. And you just hope that they can find their way kind of back to that. All right. So we kind of went off the script there, but that's what we do. Anyway, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Friday. Peace.